Jesus said unto them, I am the way. That's what we looked at last week. How many ways to heaven? One. One. <laughs> One way. And he is the truth. And that's what we're looking at this morning. The deity's, deity's declaration. The Lord Jesus declared, I am the truth. And there's a lot contained in I am too. And go back to the Old Testament and find some things that we've already considered before. And so this morning we're looking at I am the truth. I remember early in the ministry that I wasn't a very self-confident, probably still aren't in certain areas I am, confident about things and doing things. But one was preaching. And my thought was, and I know I very much remember it, that I just use the scriptures because in them I have confidence. They're the absolute. They're the word of God and that's what got me into the Bible more and more. Not to proof text sermons and thoughts, but to discover what God is saying to me. You see, in the scriptures there is one interpretation of any passage. One. There's hundreds of applications. And we need to understand that when we get to the Bible. One interpretation. God, and God wants us to know what that is. <laughs> and he wants to see. That's why he wrote the Bible. <laughs> if he hadn't, it wouldn't be there. We wouldn't have it. And so praise God for his word. And we can make many applications. And um, we need to. Because life is different for every one of us. <laughs> the experiences and the things we face in life. Um, <clears throat> so looking at... I am the truth. Praise God that we have the absolute truth. And there's only one that knows completely the truth, and that is God himself. He's the author of our salvation. He's the author of the world. He's the author of this, everything that goes on. He's the originator. And so we can go to him and find what it is. And pray to God that we do that this morning. As we look into the word, let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word, which is the truth of eternity. The word that will not pass away. The word that has forever been etched in heaven. And Lord, it will all be fulfilled, every jot, every tittle, every comma. And Lord, we can trust in it completely. And I pray that as students of your word, we would search the scriptures, whether these things be so. We would study to show ourselves approved workmen that are not ashamed. That would dig for rich treasure in the mine of God's word and come up with riches, gems. And I pray that we'd do that each one because the more we do that, the closer we are drawing to you and fellowshipping with you. Lord, we pray for those that are away today. You give them a time of fellowship with other believers in other churches i pray lord for those that are not here because of illness or old age strengthen their bodies lord thank you that some of those will be listening in right now to the message because they love the truth enough to spend that time bless them lord and strengthen their mortal bodies might their minds be sharp as ours too to be attentive to the spirit that speaks to us from the word and bless us as we consider it now at this time in Jesus' name. Amen. 
This is a introduction that I, I had in a, on a sermon of 2001. It doesn't take me long to find a sermon, about three minutes I can have it in my hand from 40 years ago. But this is the way I've set the filing system up. I don't need a computer. <laughs> it's all filed. I don't know if Pastor McConnell did that. but And I went and thought, you know, truth. Have I preached on this before? Look through, your, look through the hymn book and see if you can find a, one that speaks or one that we sing about the truth. In the, in the passage or in the, the hymns that speak about yeah, the Bible, there are, there are those, but the others, there are very few and far between in our hymn book, but not in the Word of God. <laughs> and uh, a sermon I put together way back then was, Blood is thicker than water. And that's an old adage, an old saying, which we probably all know, blood is thicker than water. Literally, this is so, unless you're on a high dose of warfarin, <laughs> blood is thicker than, than water. And uh, you cut yourself and you just run like a tap if you're on warfarin. Personally know it. But metaphorically, it is so as well. And that's sad. Should this be so for the believer? Should we stick up for close friends called mates and family members when they are well going contrary to truth? My answer is no. I personally have had to say, no, that is not right with my family and with my friends. Friends of decades I've had to separate from because I've said, no, it's not the Bible. And it costs you. <laughs> it costs you heaps. But before the Lord, I have to answer. Not to man, not to family, and not to friends. We all seem to set the standard or the bar or the jumping stick a little lower for our friends and family and our mates than we do for some others. We overlook, this is, this is from 2001, okay. We overlook their sins and even cover them up and sweep them under the carpet. We allow truth to be trampled on. And say and do nothing when we need to stand up and say it's right or it's wrong. It's black and it's white. <laughs> the old Apostle John at 85 was still standing up for the truth. Still defending the truth. And that he did in First John, Second John and Third John. You go there, mark the word truth. And that was what he was echoing in his old age. And he saw the necessity the absolute necessity to stand on truth because he had seen many friends forsake the truth. Many friends walk away from preaching the truth. He had seen churches that had slipped already by the time he was aged. That's sad, but it was happening then too. Truth today is often sacrificed, yes, on the altar of compromise for the maintenance of false peace. The saying is, or the sayings are, live and let live. An elderly man whom I had a lot of respect for said that one day. I hadn't heard it before. And I had to think, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> what does that mean? Don't rock the boat is another saying. Don't upset the apple cart. 
this damned souls to hell because we do not speak to them the truth. Truth, I wrote here, is like a steering wheel as you drive your car down the road, the winding road of life. If you let the steering wheel go, it spells disaster. Have you ever done that? You can do it in a paddock, but not on the road. <laughs> and see what a car does, because one day it'll happen to a lot of steering wheels when Christians are driving down the road and the Lord comes. But anyway, it just, my car veers off to the left every time. The Toyota. I don't know which way the Tirana does. But uh, don't let it go. Hang on to it. Actually, I've, uh, Mr. Dunn's car, I think, steers itself for a while. <laughs> it's so smart, that car. <laughs> and... Uh, <coughs> And I think it tells Mr. Dunn, wake up, <laughs> hold on to the wheel. It does that too, see. <clears throat> IT, they call it, information technology. But, hey, not, a, not an advice. And, and listen, in a spiritual sense, if you let go the steering wheel of truth in your life, you're in big trouble. <laughs> It'll end, and, end, end in disaster. Go to sleep at the wheel. And you've, we've all done that, haven't we not? Gone to sleep at the wheel and you hit the drrr or the, or the pothole or, or go up a bank. And you wake up startled. <laughs> I did in Dad's car when I was 18. I hadn't slept for three days. Work, work, work. Went up the bank and woke up and straddled the, the dirt and dust going everywhere. <laughs> but it startles you. And sometimes as Christians, when we let go of the truth, we ought to be startled back to life. <clears throat> our attitude in spiritual matters should never be with our family, blood is thicker than water. Otherwise, this compromise will doom our family. Hold to the truth. Stick to the truth. Uh, <clears throat> it's very, very important. There was also... Lessons, training we did for the proteins. This is way back in the 90s, mid-95 or so, somewhere there. We did training, and I pulled that out. And it's got the purpose of the church and the three dictators that dictate to the church today. And Tony was mentioning something this morning in the, the adult class, and I thought, yes, that's exactly what is in this lesson here. Three dictators. One said, says to the church, that's the way we've always done it. And Tony mentioned this one this morning. That's the traditional way we've done it, so we always do it that way. Another dictator to the church is, that's the way Bible, all Bible believers do it. And that's the peer pressure way. You know, Bible believers, in quote, in <laughs> dits. Um, <clears throat> then there's a third dictator. That's the way Dr. Phil Depew did it. <laughs> and it works that's the pragmatic way. If it works, it must be right. It's Phil in the pew, Dr. Phil the pew. You see, <laughs> got it. <laughs> and that's the way you fill the pew. Hey, we could fill the pews, couldn't we? And they've, they said in that introduction to the training on proteins, arriving at truth backwards. They begin with a goal. We wonder, like that one, fill the pews. They adopt a mode or a method to reach the goal. This mode or method becomes their tradition. Then this tradition becomes their doctrine. False, of course, but their doctrine. 
And this doctrine is then, then is accepted as truth, which is all backwards. <laughs> we should go from the truth out, not from a goal down to try to make the truth up. And this is the truth. The word is the truth. God is the truth. He is the way. We go from the Bible out in our Christian lives. We ought everyone to do just that. That's the way to come to the knowledge of the truth. Not starting from what we would think would be right and then going, how can we fulfill this goal? And folks, pastors everywhere around the world are doing that. This is my goal. How can I reach it? Then I start with the Bible and say, this is what I should be doing. So let's go the right way about this. If it isn't from the pressure of the family and the friend, then it comes from the minister's fraternal, we might say. This is the way we've done it. This is tradition. This is Dr. Fieldapew's way. No. Again, we see the exclusiveness of the claim that the Lord made in John 14 and verse 6. I am the truth. I am the truth. In regard to anything, that God is the truth. Spiritual matters. God is the truth. Spiritually speaking, biblically, God is the truth. Scientifically, God is the truth. When we were going to high school or tech school or that and you had to study physics and chemistry and maths, the high grade of maths and go to uni and get further plugged with it or whatever and you just say, who got this together? Why did they do it so complicated? <laughs> Why use X's and Y's and Z's and whatever else instead of numbers? Just put the real thing in there. <laughs> and uh, you sort of scratch your head and say, who did this? And when you become a Christian and start thinking about it, who did it? God did it. All those equations, all those consistence, all those things that don't change, like pi, if you know what I mean, in maths. God made those rules. Scientifically, all the experiments, all the elements, everything. God is truth in that sense too, all the way. Historically, God is the truth. You see, we weren't there to see what happened. But who was there when it happened? God was there. God saw, God made it happen. <laughs> History is that was he wrote before, we could say, prophecy, looking at that that way. Morally, th this is where our world's gone all wrong, isn't it? Morally, who is the absolute truth? God. What is our society doing today? I come from here, you know, it's just like the people that start, try and start from, this is my goal in the government, we want to bring this in. So let's, let's they've, they've shifted the blame now, they're putting it on the people, let's have the people vote and see what's morally right. And Australia voted, we're starting to see the results of the, vo the vote. Watch out for more omers, I mean not omens, Oma. that's the cyclone. Watch out for more of these things. When we vote to go against the moral absolutes and truth of God's word as a country, God knows. And God doesn't let this thing go light by lightly. Politically. You know, <clears throat> morally, I've, I go back to that one. God knows what's right and wrong because he wrote 
the instructions. He wrote the scriptures and he's laid it down for us to read politically. Uh, he's, he's the one that is Lord of Lord and will be King of Kings over everything when he brings in his kingdom. Even in the abstract, when you think about it. What allows us as human beings to think creatively? Who gave us that ability? We're made in his image. You don't have animals thinking this way. But you have people who are made in his image, thinking creatively and and able to invent things and do things of that nature. We're just thinking God's thoughts after him. I am the way, the truth and the life. You might go to the outline there that's in the bulletin. I am the truth in order that men might be sure. A profound concept of scripture this is. In this claim, Christ claimed to be the expression of the absolute truth about God's nature. God's idea of humanity and the relationship between moral beings and God. Christ claimed to be truth embodied in the incarnate word, in the incarnate word, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. In John's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 14, we read this, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. (laughs) Truth embodied in the incarnate word. He came, the word was made flesh, the incarnate word, and dwelt among us. Praise God that he did. This is morally immaterial and can only exist in relation to a person, a person who can somehow stand as its representation and end. The person is the Lord Jesus Christ. One said, mind, as it came from its maker, is organized for truth. Up here, for thinking, they say. (laughs) As the eye is to perceive light and the ear is to hear sounds, and that is why a man who finds the Lord Jesus has found the truth and it gels. We think through what he has presented. We consider the ways of God and we consider what his claim is and we can come to reason. You don't see a cow sitting there as it's meditating on its or chewing its cud. Mmm, my maker. Mmm, he provided this food for me. Mmm, where am I going to go when I die? To the butchers? No. <laughs> The cows don't do that. <laughs> but people do. You see, our mind is made to think. God created us so. What a wonderful thing. We call it grey matter, don't we? <laughs> that we can do that. And we can think of God who we've never seen. By faith, believe in him. Truth was embodied in the incarnate word, the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you've come to the truth. Um, truth is embodied secondly and I think there's a fill out there in the inspired word of God John's gospel chapter 5 and verse 39 we read search the scriptures for in them ye think ye have eternal life and they are they which testify of me truth is embodied in the inspired word of God When Christ said, I am truth, he was thinking of Old and New Testament alike. He could say what is said here in John 5, 39. 
In essence, the Bible is the crib that contains the Christ. And he was written of right back in the beginning and all the way through. You see the pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ, the types of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so truth embodied in the inspired word. And if we want to know the truth, we have to read the book, study the book, think on these things, meditate upon these things. A light reading, you know, we can do our Bible reading, but do we stop and think? Do we stop and compare Scripture with Scripture as we've been told to do? Do we do what the Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God? Rightly dividing the word of, what is it? Truth. You can't come to the truth unless you study the Scriptures. A light reading might be good for a younger person, a babe in Christ, but a deeper digging is for the saint who wants to know the truth. Is this right? Um, am I following the right way? If you follow the uh, wrong guide into the desert, what's going to happen? You're going to die, you get lost and you're going to die in the desert. What you need to do is follow the, the truth, the Lord, the guide, the incarnate word, the, the inspired word. And truth, thirdly, is empowered by the indwelling spirit of God. If you turn to John's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 12 to 15. Truth empowered by the indwelling Holy Spirit. You see, if you're trying to work the scriptures out in your human mind, it doesn't work. This is why it tells us in is it 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They're spiritually discerned. They cannot comprehend. Why? Why that? They, ca they cannot comprehend. They say it contradicts itself. It doesn't. And here the truth is empowered by the indwelling or the illuminating. Uh, illuminating doesn't fit in the spot there, but indwelling does. And we read there, I have many things, verse 12. I have many, yet many things to say unto you, said the Lord Jesus, but you cannot bear them now. They just weren't grown up enough. They, they weren't there, they hadn't arrived yet. <laughs> How be it when he... The spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Prophetical things are right there at the front of it. This is what the Lord said he would do through the spirit of God, the indwelling spirit. He would illuminate us as we study the scriptures. Men. Young men, old men, you have the responsibility to study the scriptures. If you're a young man, one day your wife should be coming to you and asking you, what does that mean? That's what the Bible says. When men drop the ball in not studying the scriptures for themselves, they can't give an answer. I'm not saying the wives are unintellectual, but the scriptural method, it's in the Bible. That men should be able to give their answer to their wives and their family for what the Bible says. And how can we unless we study the scriptures? Young men, get into the Bible early. Get into the scriptures and know what it says. Memorize and meditate on the verses as the Holy Spirit opens and illuminates the indwelling spirit does this for you, then you comprehend what the scriptures are saying. <clears throat> we get to the next part there on the outline. <laughs> Truth, 
Does it matter? What do you think of this statement? It makes no difference what you believe, just as long as you are sincere. <laughs> I see so ooh, ooh, ow. <laughs> Not true. Not true. Because there's a lot of sincere people around, and I feel real sorry for them, when they're so sincere about something, but they're sincerely wrong. For instance, the Jehovah's Witnesses. Very sincere. It seems more sincere than a lot of Christians. They're out there knocking on doors, <laughs> trying to invite other people to their heresy and make, them, and make them twofold more the child of hell than they themselves. That's what the scripture said of the Pharisees. There's Mormons. There's liberals. There's religious people of all persuasions in their belief. Sincere. They've got people that strap bombs to themselves. Young people willing to blow themselves up. Are they sincere? You, you'd have to be pretty sincere to do that sort of thing. You know you're going to go out with the bomb. Sincere, but sincerely wrong. Faith in a lie will always cause serious consequences. Faith in the truth is never misplaced. It does make a difference what you believe. All roads might lead to Rome, but all roads don't lead to heaven. There is one way to heaven, and it's through the truth, the Lord Jesus Christ, a person that can impart that truth to our hearts and minds by the preaching of the word, by the foolishness of preaching. It says people are saved, people are turned. Jesus is the truth. I don't base my beliefs on people's opinions. That's humanism. That's what the world's doing everywhere. I base it on what the Bible said. I'm, I'm glad the Lord didn't make me, make me one of those that are full of self-confidence because I had to get into the Bible to get the confidence of what God said. The basis of truth, if you're looking there at the outline, and the question was asked of the Lord Jesus when he's on trial. Pilate said, what is truth? In John 18, I think 37 and 38 there. What is truth? Can you answer him today? Well, the basis of truth, as we've mentioned, is God. Can you give Pilate the answer? It's God. It's not religion. It's not Socrates. It's not Shakespeare. It's not philosophy. It's not psychology. It's not science. It's not human reasonings. None of these. God is truth, and in him is no lie. Psalm 31 verse 5 tells us, Into thy hand I commit my spirit, thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. He's the standard, isn't he? Absolute truth. Can't wait to get to heaven and see absolute truth. We'll all be wrong in some manner when we get there and we'll realise how off we were in things. But we're going to have to face it. And for that we'll give an account. How better to dig in the scripture and find what is the truth as best the Lord leads you. <laughs> the basis of truth is God. The next one, the banner of truth. What's the banner of truth? Well, we've mentioned it, the word of God. <laughs> John 17, 17 states, Sanctif Sanctifieth them through thy word. Thy word is... Truth. That's the banner. It's the word of God. 
2 Timothy reads, Study to show yourself, we've quoted it already, thyself an approved workman, rightly dividing the word of truth. Listen. And you come to the Bible, don't do what those guys did, get, trying to get at truth the wrong way. Start with your or my reasonings to go to prove it from the scriptures. Start with the, what God is saying to you and out from the Bible. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Second Timothy 3.15 And Paul said of Timothy, And from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction and instruction in righteousness. The banner of truth is the word of God. We need to sail and fly the flag of truth, don't we? Remember, brother, remember um, Evangelist Weeks? Flag is, uh, truth is the flag. Well, how does it go? Oh, the song's gone from my head. Can anyone remember it with me? In the castle of your heart, in the castle of your heart. Yeah, the word of God, the truth. Fly that flag, fly that banner. That's what made me think of that. In your life, the word of God, thus saith the Lord. So the basis of truth is, the, is God. The banner of truth is the word of God, the bearer of truth. What do we have in our text? I am, said Jesus. He's the bearer of truth. I am the truth. If you turn to first, um, the first chapter of the Gospel of John and verses 14 and 17. The word was made flesh and dwell among us and were beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And verse 17, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus of Christ, the bearer of truth. As the Lord Jesus came to earth, as he was born a babe and, and, and lived and grew in spirit and statue, as it reads in the scripture, and as he confronted the people in the temple, even at 12, even at 12, he was able to dispute with the leaders, the religious leaders. You see, he was truth. They weren't. They were skirting around the truth, but they weren't the truth. When he came to the age of ministry, Everybody that come to him and try to put him down or try to debate with him or argue with him, whether they be lawyers or religious people who are supposed to have known the truth, every one of them he was able to refute. And you know what he used? The word. The word of God. Because he had studied in the scriptures. The bearer of truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. He brought to light the truth in a dark day when Israel was at a low ebb. After the thousand, thousand and plus years of existence, Israel should have been bright and shining light to the world, but they were not. They had so confused the truth with their traditions that it was no longer truth. And people didn't know the way to eternal life. As you read in Matthew 23 there, Woe to you, you've led them astray. And if the blind lead the blind. What happens? Both fall into the ditch. You're both in the pothole and you can't get out. <clears throat> then in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 and 14. 
Matthew 5, verse 13, we read this. Ye are the salt of the earth, the salt is, but if the salt has lost its savour, with what shall it be salted? If you're not salted with the word of God in your salt shaker, then you're not salting people around you. It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out, to be trodden under the foot of man. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on hill, cannot be hidden. You know, the bearer of truth was the Lord Jesus Christ, but that responsibility now has been passed on to who? Ourselves. We are the bearers of truth. We are to take it out. And how do we become that? By studying the scriptures, by proving whether these things are so. Get into the word of God. And as Ephesians 4.15 tells us, but speak the truth in love to people around you. Unsaved people, lost people, People that think they've got a hold of something that is truth and they have not at all. And they're going down the road, the broad road that leads to destruction. The Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. <laughs> Can you do that? When people ask you about why do you believe that, can you give the answer to it? Are you studied in the word? The bearer of truth is the Christian, Christ and the Christian, as we go out bearing the truth. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer every man. Colossians 4 and verse 6. And the bastion of truth. Who is the bastion and what is the bastion of truth? Matthew 16, 18 gives a hint to that. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The bastion of truth should be the church. Sad, isn't it? When our governments go to the, go to the church and ask for answers to moral questions in our society, the church gives them the wrong answer. You know, the fellow in our town that gets the most press is so far from the truth. But they, the world, love to have it so. Because he's not going to speak against their sin. <laughs> he's not going to point out this is wrong and this is right. He's total, well, he's not a compromise. He didn't compromise. He didn't have a stand to start with. So he hasn't slipped. He's always been there, unsaved as ever. And they give him press all the time. The church should be the bastion of truth. It should be the place where it's sounded forth from the pulpits, from the people, from the pew. Sounding forth the word of the Lord. <clears throat> As John said in our reading this morning, and he was in his late 80s, even into his 90s, when he wrote these epistles, 1st, 2nd and 3rd John, and 3rd John said, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. <laughs> you know what develops between Christian brothers is the love because of the truth. We're knit together with it. Beloved, I wish all things... Above all things, that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Hey, you're good spiritually. You're healthy spiritually. That's number one. But I, I pray, John said that your body be healthy as well. And 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 John was He took a while to get up. He couldn't just bounce on his feet. It didn't. You know, he grew old. And he he'd been breaking rocks. He'd been in the quarries. He'd been put in Patmos, and was a quarry worker. At his old, in his old age. And so can you imagine him driving a sledgehammer? <laughs> he didn't have the 
crushes like we have today. And that's where he was, and he was able to, even at that time, he said, <laughs> be in health, brother, physically speaking, as your soul is in health. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. What did make the old apostle rejoice? You're walking in truth. That makes any pastor rejoice. It should, that their people are walking in truth. In verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Let, let's go to a physical family. That, that's true too, isn't it? There's no greater joy for mum and dad but to see that their children, when they've come to make their own decisions in their young adulthood, that they're walking in what? Truth. That rejoices the heart. And so it does with the pastor and spiritual leadership. It ought to rejoice. Sad to say that some pastors don't rejoice when their people walk in truth because the pastor's not doing it. That's, that's, that's bad. In 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15, it reads, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church, of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. That's the key one for this bastion of truth, the church. The pillar and ground of the truth should be the church, as it's, as it's written there. <clears throat> There's the blight, the blighting and besieging of truth in our day. The scriptures said it would be so. They've told us that this would develop. There would develop a shocking spiritual state before the Lord returned, where in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 7, they're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. When our country is having classes in secular universities to teach Bible and train people to know theology, something's really amiss. What sort of, what sort of things are they going to come out from? Well, if you've talked to a person that's gone through something like that, they're totally and utterly confused. I've got some relatives in that, in that very spot. Totally confused. And they don't make sense at all. Now, as in verse 8, Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist, resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. And these are wolves in sheep's clothing, filling the pulpits of many churches, not preaching the truth, the blighting and besieging of truth. It said it would happen in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13 to 15. False apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel that Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works." These wolves, it's mentioned in these verses, belittle the truth. They make a mock of God's word. Oh, don't mock God's word. I remember that happened in Bible college once. And one of the students up, got up and mocked God's word. When uh, one of the lecturers asked us to write a scenario of witnessing to somebody... They were Calvinistic in their theology, this person was. They never graduated from Bible college because good old Pastor Goff said, you're not going to graduate when you don't believe what we teach here. 
They did the whole three years course, but you wouldn't graduate them. Praise God that some people still stood up. And they belittled the truth. Mocked to the, stood up in front of the student body and made a mock of it in the story they're supposed to be writing down in their paper. They are bar- <coughs> these wolves are barriers to people believing the truth. As the scriptures have said, they will come and are, were come and are still here. They blind, they're blind leaders of the blind and both fall into the ditch. They betray the souls of unlearned and ignorant men. They are belligerent in their attitude towards scriptural authority and spiritual authority in church leadership. Church leadership that wants to preach the truth. Belligerent. They bereave heaven of souls and fill hell with them. Making many people, as I mentioned before, twofold more the child of hell than they themselves. They deserve nothing less than to be banished and barred and banned from heaven as the scriptures say. You say, that's too harsh. Listen to what the Bible says will happen. In 2 Thessalonians 2.12, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. It says it in the Bible. These people are leading multitudes. Religion are leading multitudes into hell. So Christ's most severe and cutting words were to those that resisted the truth who were religious hypocrites. Warren Wisby, a long time, wrote this ago. I, I, I pray that he'd still say it today. The spirit of Antichrist used by John to describe the things of apostasy. It's a spirit in the world that opposes or denies Christ. Secondly, the false teacher who embodies that spirit. And thirdly, a spirit, a person who will head up a final world rebellion against Christ is the spirit of Antichrist doing these wicked things, wolves. And he said, don't make it, does it make any difference what you believe? It makes all the difference in the world. You're living in crisis days, he said, in the last hour. The spirit of Antichrist is working in the world. It is vitally important that you know and believe the truth and are able to detect lies when they come your way. John's epistle gives three outstanding marks, he said, of the false teacher who is in control is controlled by the spirit of Antichrist. These are the three. He departs from the fellowship, 1 John 2, 18 and 19. He denies the faith, 1 John 2, 20. And he tries to deceive the faithful, John 2, verse 26. That's what he said, and he wrote that many years ago when he wrote on his, his, his books, on his commentaries on John's epistles. Last of all, the blessing of believing the truth. It's not all bad. <laughs> it's not all grey and dark. Praise God that we have, have the blessing of continuing in the truth. Paul, uh, John said in John chapter 8 and verse 31 and 32, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples, but ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Set you free. You don't bind by all these religions and these false teachers and these wolves in, <coughs> sheep in, wolves in sheep's clothing. <laughs> no, the truth shall set you free it purifies us does it not seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth it breaks down barriers we and others build like a hammer smashing a concrete or brick wall the truth it's a bulwark against the error that floats around in our world today having your loins girt about with truth Um, (coughs) it is blissful you can lay your head down 
with a clear conscience that you know the truth. The truth has set you free. And if you die tonight, you'll be in heaven, absent from the body, present with the Lord. It gives backbone on the battlefield of life as well. <laughs> Read Ephesians 6 and the armor that we put on. <clears throat> it has benefactors. The truth has benefactors, folks. It is your children. And it is those that he hear and heed your message that you preach. The benefactors are those that follow after you. It doesn't change that his truth endureth to all generations. Psalm 100 verse 5. It endures forever, Psalm 117, verse 2. And the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord, said the psalmist. And it gives boldness. I like what those ignorant and unlearned fishermen, that the religious leaders said, you can't teach us anything. We know everything. And old fisherman Peter and his fellow mates showed them a thing or two, didn't they? These people observed that they had been with Jesus. They saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and took knowledge of them that they'd been with Jesus. Have you been with Jesus in his word? He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. If you've come to truth in any other way than through the word of God, the right interpretation, abandon it. It's not truth at all. It's a facade. It's false. Come to the word, letting it speak to you, not you to it. Exegesis and eisegesis is what that is about. <laughs> let it speak to you. Exegesis. And then let it change you and me to be conformed more like the Lord Jesus, who is the truth. Absolute truth. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And do, Lord, pray. If there be one that's listening or is unsaved here today or listening in that has not believed the truth, the Lord Jesus. Might they come to him today? He is absolute truth in every area of all things. And he has told us that we are sinners, lost and undone, and there's none righteous, no, not one. And that we need to confess that we are sinners and that you are the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the God of eternity, and believing and trusting and confessing with their mouth, they shall be saved. May they believe today. And for Christians, Lord, may we discard everything. May we do a self-examination. May, may we do an audit of our lives and ask ourselves, are we believing the truth or are we not? Is this what the Scripture says or is this what I want the Scriptures to say? There is a big difference. And Lord, we can be led up the garden path and down the wrong broad road too, to destruction. Turn our thinking back to the truth of the word of God. For in them we think we have eternal life and they are they which testify of thee. Bless us now as we part and take the good news to other people to give them an answer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>